Guys, uh, guys, give a big shout out to everyone on the podcast. Uh, okay. Uh, give a big shout out to everyone on the podcast. Uh, we've been getting lots of hits on the podcast. I don't know why from New Zealand. Um, maybe it's you. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just like New Zealand people. Hello, if you're listening, give a shout out I mean, to New Zealand and just everyone else. Guys, thank you so much. And then guys, of course, thank you to you guys again today because you guys are here. It lets me know that I haven't scared you off yet. And that means that you're doing good and this relationship is growing and we're so thankful for that. So thank you for that. All right? Everyone doing good? All right. Today we're going to go ahead and continue our series on being planted and uh, being planted in different things in the church, being planted on different things uh, within community, being planted on different things within scripture, within uh, the word, within just Christianity in, in general. What are we planted in? And today I want to look at two stories of two storms in the Bible, both in the book of Mark. So you guys have your Bibles open up to the book of Mark. So we're going to be camping out today, and we'll go ahead and get started with that. As soon as you guys get there, give me an amen, and we'll get going, okay? Pages are turning, iPhone's flipping, iPhone's kind of slow, but we got a lot of videos on there from YouTube. It's okay, let it catch up. Okay, we're there? We're there. This is Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Um, this is ESV, so you guys have that? Go ahead and open up to that as well. It says, On that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And this is Jesus talking at the moment. He's talking to his disciples. He said, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat. I like how the disciples took Jesus. They didn't say like, Okay, we're going to go with Jesus. No, Jesus, you're going with us, Okay. You're coming with us. We're going to keep you with us. Okay, so they, they took Jesus with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. So you guys ever been on the water, and water is getting in the boat? That's a no-no. Water outside the boat works better than water inside the boat. But right now the water is kind of filling the boat. The winds are coming out. The, the, you know, the, wave, the waves are coming in. It's getting kind of crazy at the moment. It says, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Jesus liked to use a cushion when he slept, okay? And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Dude, we're freaking dying, man. Wake up. What's going on with you? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with a great fear, and they said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Following to verse 5, in chapter 5, it says, They came to the other side of the sea came to the other side of the sea. Most of our texts, uh, you look at KJV, you look at other uh, translations, use the word then. So, then they came. Then they came. I want you guys to remember that word then, underline it, highlight it, put an asterisk beside it, something, just remember that word then. Now move on to the next one. There's one story, next one. This is in Mark chapter 6, 45. 
says, immediately his disciples got into the boat and go ahead of him, went ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain and prayed. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was all alone in the land. He saw them being battered as they rowed, because the wind was against them. Around three in the morning, he came toward them, walking on the sea, and wanted to pass them by. I always thought it was weird that he wanted to pass them by. It's almost as if he was kind of testing them again. And I don't remember that time when I was asleep in the boat, like two chapters ago. I'm going to test you. I'll get back out in that water, and when the storms come out, I'm going to try to just walk past you and see how good you do. All right? But they, they kind of screw up again. It says, He came towards them, walking in the sea. He wanted to pass them by. When they saw him walking in the sea, they thought it must be a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke with them and said, Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Now the loaves, what he's talking about there, is the 5,000 people they fed. And something had, there was some significance with the loaves of bread. There was some significance to the feeding of the 5,000 people. He says, and instead, uh, they had not understood the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. Remember that part, too. And remember this next word as well. It says, when they crossed over, they came to the land, and they reached the boat. I want to draw attention to the text saying that they hearts were hardened, and also to the word when. When. We'll go ahead and pray right now, guys. God, would you please come into our heart state, God, just open our minds, open our hearts to you. God, would you just allow us to receive your word today, God, may I decrease in this moment. And may you increase in me and all of us here today. God, may we be open to your word. In Jesus' name, I'm going to pray. Amen. I want to title this sermon, Planted on the Other Side. Planted on the Other Side. And I'm not trying to go all Joe on you, okay? But I believe God's got something better for you in your life. Okay? I believe God's got something better. And I got, really, God's got something, you know, astounding for you on the other side of where you're at now. I truly believe that God says, you know what, I love you so much, I will take you as you are, but I love you so much, I'm not going to leave you where you are. And I believe that God calls us into something more. I believe that God calls us into something better. I believe he's got something great. He's got another level. He's got a miracle. He's got something brewing, okay, that he's ready to, to serve us. He's got something awesome. And that's what we got to do. we got to keep planted, on, focused on what's on the other side of us. This is too cold. Go ahead and over now, Jake. And you might not see it now. And you might not understand what he's doing, okay? Um, but the reality is that whatever is on you, the burden that is on your heart today, if you even have one or you're going to have one, is that God wants to move past that. He wants to get you to the other side of that. That's what I want us to stay focused on. Uh, how many of you guys have been on a road trip? Road trip? Road trip? You guys remember road trips? A lot of people fly nowadays. Yeah, it was like I do road trips every summer, okay? Road trip. I used to love road trips. We used to go to Gardner State Park when we were growing up. You know, we used to go to Fiesta, Texas. Uh, went to California, road trip style, man. It's in the back of a Ford excursion. It was like cramped in the back. You know, it was an excursion. It was so cramped. I was in the very back seat, all right? Because seats don't 
are the same size in the very back, and they're not made to be seats. They're like for midgets or something, right? And so we went on a road trip, and I love road trips. I used to use my CD player. And you guys remember CD players, okay? Some of you guys remember there was this disc, and you would put it in this, like, big Walkman thing, and you would put it on, and you had your headphones on, right? And so I would put it on random or repeat, and we just listen to, like, I mean, I listen to Garth Brooks growing up. I'm, I'm, not this, I'm a country boy. That's, that's, that's pathetic at times. And I hate to admit it, but God is working that out in me, and don't judge me. And so uh, we would uh, listen to music on the road. Um, very rarely would we talk to each other, my family and I. I would just kind of put my headphones on and be that, that uh, segregated little kid. Um, that, and when I got the Game Boy. You remember the Game Boy? Not like the Game Boy Color, not the DS. I mean, we don't have any of that stuff back then. We had the Mammoth 15-pound Game Boy, okay? You know what I'm talking about? With Mario, I had Ninja Turtles, man, Kirby, Kirby, come on, Kirby? And so we had the Game Boy, the big gray Game Boy with the purple buttons, and I literally, I played Tetris on my way to California through the state of New Mexico. I never picked my head up. I just kept playing Tetris. You know, Tetris, you get in there, before that, I was like, are we out of El Paso? I'm like, yeah, we're already in Arizona. I'm like, seriously? Like, we're in New Mexico. Like, we just passed by it. I'm like, seriously? Like, I missed it. And I'm like, you didn't miss anything. It was cactus and, and desert. And so I played Tetris all through the state of New Mexico. True story. True story. As I got older, road trips started to kind of suck for me because then I had kids. Okay? And so road trips aren't fun anymore. Because now you got the kids screaming in the backseat, okay? They want to stop at every flipping uh, orange, uh, yellow arch that you see in the road. They're like, McDonald's, I'm hungry. I'm like, we just ate McDonald's two miles ago. You know? And they always want to stop somewhere. Someone always has to pee, okay? And it doesn't matter. You can take them all to the bathroom in the rest stop. Go a mile down the road, then they gotta go again. So there you go on the side of the road, hoping you don't get bit by a rattlesnake here in Texas. And you're just on the side of the road, you're like, man, just, just go just real quick. You're hoping a DPS guy doesn't drive by you. Know? Road trips are fun. And the common denominator in all of these road trip stories that I have, both when I was a child and both when, when my kids uh, were with us, and Ryan actually cried from Austin all the way to Corpus one time, nonstop. Couldn't shut the kid up. Duct tape was an option, but we chose not to use it, so we were good parents. And so you know, the, it was just insane, okay? Road trips started to suck, but the one common thing that happened in every road trip was this question, are we there yet? I would be like, Dad, are we there yet? Dad, are we there yet? And he's like, no, stupid. Like, we're still driving. Like, if we were there, we'd be parked, Okay? Like, why would you ask me such a dumb question like that? He didn't tell me that, but I can, I just seen his eyes like, uh, you know, like, no, we're not there yet. And then like an hour later, Dad, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Okay? Ryan asked me, like, Dad, are we in Austin yet? I'm like, do you see crazy people on the streets? No, obviously not. We're not in Austin yet, okay? And so uh, all these things that they would ask, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, I didn't know where we were, Okay? I didn't know if we were there yet, but I just knew that we were not where we were, and we were in transition somewhere. But we, I wasn't sure if we were there yet. How many of us ever want to ask God the same question? God, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Like, you told me that we're going to start this journey together. I'm going to give my life to you. I surrender. Everything's going great for a while. But are we there yet? You told me, God, you specifically said, in my life, I will do these things, but am I there yet? In my life, I will be happy, but am I there yet? 
in my life, I will be healed. I will be free uh, financially or free from my addiction or free from whatever is burning on me. Am I there yet, God? And I just wonder if God's up there thinking like, no, dude, I'm like, obviously we're not there yet. I mean, we're still going. Like, you're, still, you're still learning. You're still growing. You're still, you're still doing these things, man. The question you need to consider is this. Is what do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're supposed to be? What do you do when you're not where you used to be, but you're not where you're supposed to be? Basically, what do you do in the meantime? What are you doing at road trip? What do you do on your way to the other side? What do you do? See, a lot of people will preach about the other side. They want to preach about how you can't have your best life today. They want to preach about how your life can be great. They want to preach about all these great things, and God's got all these blessings for you, and all this stuff that is not even biblical. And they want to think about all this stuff, all this great happiness, and Barney, and roses, and butterflies, and all that stuff. But they never want to talk about the road to get there. They rarely talk about the meantime. And you know why? It's because America and just like the world in general doesn't like the meantime. Like you watch Sports Center. Sports Center doesn't. They just play the scores, right? You never see them like in the off season. Like, oh yeah, Tony Romo. He was like working out today, or he was eating his cereal in the morning. Like, the meantime stuff. He was paying his bills. Like that stuff doesn't matter to them. Like people want the score. People want the now. They want the big thing, all right? And in church, we do the same thing too. The Bible does the same thing as well. In the Bible, we have a lot of downtime in Scripture sometimes. There was 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was some meantime going on there. What was happening in the meantime? Okay, you want to know some other meantime? The, the, the biggest meantime I see? Jesus, the life of Jesus. We left him at 13, we found him at 30. It's like the movie where we got Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo and Thriller. Like, what, what, what happened in the meantime? Okay, the kid was 13. He went through puberty. He had armpit hair. He had uh, acne, okay? Was, did he have a girlfriend? Did he have a love interest? What did he go through? Was he at that awkward moment with his dad? I'm like, so I'm going to talk to you about this. He's like, I know I created it, Dad. Like, what, what happened in the meantime? He was a carpenter. He worked retail with his dad. That means he did well, they did jobs. He was on construction. He would build things. Do you think that he ever busted his hand with a hammer? Like, what happened? No, because no, no, he's perfect, right? Jesus, perfect. He's like, every nail, one hit. I'm tired of hammering. Like, what are you, like, no, no, figure this out. No, like, what did he do in the meantime between 13 and 30? Did he learn to drive a donkey? Did he get his donkey driver license? Like, what happened in the meantime between 13 and 30, all that stuff matters. It all matters because something happened in that time. But even the Bible doesn't tell us that. And so we're left with this like, kind of like, well, what the heck happens? Like, what do we do? What do we do? Something that caught my attention in, in the Gospel of Mark and these two stories is the ambiguous words that they use, then and when. Then and when. It says, then they crossed over. Uh, then Mark 6 says, when they crossed so there is something there. There was something missing. Something happened. And then they crossed over. Something was going on. And when they crossed, 
Something had to happen. So if you do your research on this scripture, and you can probably do your own research and write me later, later, but I never see a timeline on here. I never see a series of events that led up to the when, other than the fact that Jesus said, let's go to the other side, and then some, some, something happened, you know? But I don't know if they're on the water an hour, two hours, maybe, you know, it was like a fishing excursion, they got lost, maybe they were like Gilligan's Island, and they started going, you know, a four-hour tour, you know, like what, like what happened, uh, you know, during that time? What happened? And the one thing that, that we can be certain is there was a time of transition between the time God said, follow me into the boat, and let's go to the other side. And he said, come with me. There was a time of transition between one shore and the other. Much like in our lives, there was a time of transition between ours, where we're at now and where we're going there, to the other side. But what happens in the meantime? Many of us like to think of the meantime in a step-by-step process. You might say, like, God, I know you want me to do this. Okay, so we go talk to the pastor. Hey, hey, pastor, God wants me to do this. So give me my seven-step process. Okay, give me my 12-step process so I can know how to get there. All right? People want a process, a step-by-step process. You read the financial books. You read to have a better life. You read all these books like that, how to help me guide to everything in life. And they all have a process to them. But God doesn't give us a process. He doesn't really give us a seven-step program. And he says, all right, man. Well, he does say, he says, get saved, get baptized, go make disciples. Bam, that's your process. Three steps, go do it. It's not that hard. Take a dip in the water and go talk about me. That's what he says, okay? But he doesn't say, like, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, and then once you do all these things, then you're going to be good. We don't have that process. A lot of people want that. In a perfect world, that works out great. Processes work great in a perfect world, but we live in a jacked-up world. Amen? Can we just admit that? Sometimes life doesn't happen the way you intend it to happen. I have all these great plans, and then it just changed. Something pops up, okay? I remember when God called me into ministry. He said, okay, Biggs, you're going to go into ministry. And I was like, okay, awesome. What do I do? And I I was at a big church. I was like into the whole celebrity pastor thing. And so I thought that, okay, this is how it's going to look. My plan, my main time from when God said go, to when I want to be is going to be consistent of me working at a church, me building a relationship with everyone in that church, me growing to a position of leadership in that church. And then one day the pastor says, I want you to go out. I'm going to launch you to go plant a church. And I want you to take like 150 people from our congregation. Y'all go in that side of town and plant a church that looks like, acts like, smells like, talks like, just like this church over here. And I was like, that's going to be, that's going to be ministry. That's going to be church. We're going to go do the same thing that we do over here, but we're going to do it on this side of town. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. We'll have, like, marble countertops, and we'll have, like, like we'll have like popcorn in every service. I don't know. Do y'all like popcorn in, in, in church? I mean, that'd be kind of cool. I'm, I'm down for popcorn in church. You know, we'll have coffee, and we'll have donuts, and we'll have the cute little pins and the awesome worship folders that we can fill out and fill in the blanks every time we go to church. And the band will play all the awesome songs. And the first song they play will be like a really awesome song. It might be a secular song, just kind of get the people going, kind of like an ACDC type thing, you know. And then the second song will be like, uh, this is kind of like the, the, the low song. This is the song that everyone kind of like mellows out to, you know. And this is the one that everyone puts the money in the offering plate. Because this is what we do when we're mellow, we're down. And the third song will be like the worship leaders like 
uh, original song that he wrote, and he wants to sell the album in the bookstore after service, so he, he also meet the pastor. Like, and I thought that's what church was. I really thought like church is going to be so easy, man. It's going to be the sexiest job around. Plaid shirts, bike hair, goatee, we're good. Mike, wireless mic that looks like a fly floating up by your lips. That's church. Everyone come, put your mask on, let's get to service. Little did I know that church meant that we're dealing with people with broken homes, broken lives. Little did I know that church meant that we're discipling people one-on-one daily, that we're growing, that we're hurting with each other, that we're crying with each other, that we're loving each other. Little did I know that church meant that we were going to actually have to grow together. Little did I know that church meant that we're going to be smaller, but stronger in that way. Little did I understand that church was going to look a lot more biblical now than what I had in my mind. That was the meantime. I was so wrong. But God said, I'm going to make you a leader, but he never told me how he was going to make another leader. He said, I'm going to make you a leader, but I'm not going to tell you how, I'm going to tell you what it's going to look like. And for many of us, he said, you're going to be healed, but I'm not going to tell you how you can be healed. A lot of us, we pray for healing, and sometimes that person dies. Did that person get healed? Yes. Is it the way we thought it was going to be? No. Okay? Many times we say, I'm going to be financially free. I want to be free of debt. But many times it means that, that means that God's going to say, well, because you're going to be free of debt, you're going to get repo and everything. You're going to start from scratch. You're going to have nothing. Now you're free of debt. Go preach my word. Many times he might say you're going to be free of addiction, but he never said that it's going to be hard work. Because you're going to have to go through hell and back to get back to where I want you to be. But because you went through that, you're going to be strong. He never says that. He doesn't tell us that the road there is full of frustration, confusion, depression, stress, worries, concerns, and just a little bit of joy every now and then just to get us through. The road to following God isn't always what we think it's going to be. It's not always peaches and daisies and all that. Sometimes it's really hard. You might be saying, no, I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not good enough to be the man that God's called me to be. I'm not good enough to be the, the woman that God's called me to be. I can't do these certain things. It might be something like, I, I can't just stay clean for a while. I can't just stay out of debt for a while. I have a terrible addiction. I have something that I, I, I keep as much as I, I'll go a few months and I'm back in it again. And you might say to yourself, I'm not good enough to be what God wants me to be. Because on this little road, on the sea of life, uh, on this little sea, on a trip to the other side, I keep messing up and messing up. And for some reason... I feel like I just can't get out of this transition stage, and I just keep going in circles and circles and circles. So I want to encourage you to look back at Mark chapter 6, verses 45 and 52. There's two things I want to encourage you by. Number one is that God called you. He called you. He says immediately he made his disciples get into the boat. He made, he called, he came to us. And he said, go before them to their side, while he dismissed the crowd. He chose us and he guides us. He says, I choose you, now you go do this. You go. He chose us. He knows us. He knows what we're capable of. The second thing that we can find out in that scripture is that he knows we're not perfect. Like, do you ever you really think that God thinks like you messed up when he chose you? Do you ever think God's like, oh, crap, I didn't see that coming. Man, I really thought he was good. I didn't know he had that. Man, so people got skeletons. Like, no, he knows that. He says this in verse 52. He says, 
For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. They, they didn't understand the loaves. They didn't understand what Jesus said. They said, Jesus, uh, we're gonna, they got like 5,000 people here. We got to feed these people. Send them off to go get fed someplace else. Tell them to go to McDonald's and come back, and then we can continue this Bible study, right? And Jesus is like, no, you feed them. And they're like, what? You know, like, us? And he's like, you serve them. And they didn't understand it. They did it, and they still didn't understand it. The Bible says their hearts were hardened. They, they just didn't understand it. They didn't get it. But he still picked them. Like, if I was Jesus, and I'm looking at my ragtag team of 12 disciples, I'm like, hey, guys, we can go to their side and do some more ministry. Um, I'm not going to pick the 12 disciples. I'm not going to pick Peter, all right? Because he screws up a lot. He doubts so much. He's always questioning Jesus. He's on board, and he says some really awesome things, and then he goes and he messes it all up, puts his foot in his mouth, okay? I'm not going to pick Judas, because I know Judas is going to betray me, and I don't even want that near me, okay? I'm not going to pick Matthew, because he's a tax collector. He's kind of shady, okay? I'm not going to pick these guys. If I was Jesus, I wouldn't even have picked them. You know what? I would have picked the, the smart, the prim, the proper, the guys who already have ministry experience, okay? I would have never picked the guys who are uh, drunkards and, and had problems and failed the rabbi school, okay? I would have never picked them, but Jesus did because he knew there was something on the other side of their lives. He knew there was something that they were in store for. He knew that. He knew all the flaws of the disciples, yet he picked them. He knows all of our flaws, yet he picks us. He knows we mess up. He knows we screw up. He knows we, we have trouble on this boat, and we just kind of go in circles sometimes. He knows we do that, and he still says, go to the other side with me. Go to their side. He knows that. There's a quote from the artist Michelangelo, and Michelangelo does the, the great David, you know, the, the thinking guy, he does all that. And so he does all of these things, right? And he, he's an artist, and he's a carver and everything, and they asked him one time, they said, Michelangelo, they said, uh, how do you carve all these great uh, images out of marble? How do you do that? It's just a block of stone. How do you do it? How do you carve the angels and stuff out of the marble? How do you do that? You know what Michelangelo said? He said, the angel was already in there, and I just carved all the excess marble off, and I kept carving until I found it. And that's what God does to us. Right now, you're just a chunk of marble. God says, inside all that mess, there is a leader. Inside all that mess, there is a father. Inside all that mess, there is a mother, a wife, a friend, someone who is going to be awesome in life and is able to take my kingdom and just elevate it. There is someone and I see it in you. And yeah, I might have to carve away all the addictions. I might have to carve away the lack of faith. I'm going to have to carve away the disobedience. I'm going to have to carve away the lack of forgiveness, the lack of trust. I'm going to have to carve away all that crap. But once all that junk is out, there's something beautiful inside. I think Michelangelo hit that best when he said, I just keep carving until I get there. And that's what God does. God sees that in us. And he just keeps carving away. He just keeps going and going and going. Because the disciples screwed up so many times, like I was saying. The first storm comes around, and they're flipping out. And Jesus is what? He's asleep on his cushion. His cushion. The man took a cushion on there. How much more relaxed can you be on a boat when you take a cushion on a boat? Because you know you're going to be kind of chilled out for a while. 
And the disciples were tripping out, they're freaking out, they're like, Master, we're dying. He's like, Captain, calm down. Like, dude, I'm here. Chill. We're not gonna die. I'm the son of man. If we all die, I'm gonna die too. And then I couldn't be on the cross. Hello. I've told you this. Like, why do you doubt? And then they doubted him, and then later they feared him. They were terrified. They were freaking out again. He's like, haven't you guys learned? Calm down. It's just me. Ooh, not a ghost. It's okay, right? But what do we do in the meantime? During all this transition time, what do we do? I found one thing in the scripture, and it's the simplest thing that I found in there. This is the one thing that the disciples did in both stories, okay? And it's simply this. They stayed in the boat. They stayed in the boat. Simple is true, but listen, the more you realize this, the better off you'll be. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more time spending with Jesus seems right. It just makes sense. So translation, stay in the boat, stay in Jesus. Stay in communion. Stay in church. Stay with his people. Stay in that area of your life. Don't be stupid and go seclude yourself and run away. You can build up a wall as far as you can, but God is still higher than the wall. He still sees you. So he does you no good. Stay with Jesus. And that's what he said. He says, they just stayed in the boat. I mean, after all, he's the one that called them into the boat in the first place, right? And they just stayed there. Now, do you think they wanted to jump out? Heck yeah. you think that after they're out rolling on the sea... Peter looks back, and he's like, man, we're having a bonfire, and we were grilling some snapper on the fire, and like we had the, we had the beach party going on, everyone had the tailgates down, and everything was going good, playing volleyball, and then Jesus said, get in the boat, and now we're all stuck here in a storm. Okay, you know, think there was some temptation for him to say, you guys, you know what, book it back, we're going to go back to your old life, man, your old life is awesome. We're even challenged. We're having a good time, man. We got Mahi Mahi on the grill. We're doing great, okay? We're chilling back at the beach. You don't think that, that the disciples were tempted to go back? Yeah, they're about to die in their, in their mind. But they stayed in the boat with Jesus. So remember, he is the one who's called you to do something better, so stay with him. That's what we do in the meantime. You stay with Jesus. Okay? So he's called you to the other side of greatness. He's called you to the other side of being a good dad, being a great husband, a loving wife, a person free of addictions, free of debt, a person who worships him, person who's obedient to him, a leader in ministry, and he calls you to be alive in Christ. He calls you to salvation. He's called you into that, so stay with him. He's called you into his mission. He's called you from this side to so go to the other side and give you something great. We're giving you on a mission together. So stay planted in him while you're on that transition stage. It might get rough. There might be storms in this life. It doesn't always happen the way you think it's going to happen. You think you're going to go straight to it, but sometimes it's not that quick. There's people who have come to know Jesus and they're still battling demons and stuff inside them. They're still trying to get those things out of them. Pride and everything like that. But just stick to it. Check this out. This is in Isaiah. I'll just kind of end with this. But now, thus says the Lord... He who created you, O Jacob, who he who formed you, O Israel. This is what God is saying to you today. He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I know you. He says, I know I called you by name, dude. And you are mine. 
when you pass through the waters, when you're going through this, this transition stage, in the meantime, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Guys, God has such an amazing plan for us on the other side of this life. We just have to stay planted in Him through all times, through the storms, through, uh, through, through the good times, the bad times. We need to be planted in Him at all times. If you don't take anything else away from this sermon, remember this one part right here. That the praises from the valley of death echo louder than the praises on the top of the mountain. So when you're in that valley, praise Him, sing to Him, love Him, return to Him, always uh, come back to God and sing praises to Him and let those praises bounce off those walls and fill up your valley full of love and praise. Let's pray. Guys, as we... Um, as we think about the meantime in our lives, whether you're going through the meantime or you're just uh, launching off that first shore, uh, following Christ in, in your journey, maybe you, you feel like you just haven't gotten off the first couple of uh, sandbars and you're just kind of still trying to get out into the sea and you're still going, or maybe you, you think you're nearing the end of your meantime. You think, man, I just see it right there. I see what God wants me to be. I see what God has called me to be. I see what God has in store for me. And then maybe you're there and then you take a, a wrong turn and then you start going back around again. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm just going in circles in this boat. I can never get to the other side of what God wants me to be. Let me just encourage you that God knows that. And this journey that you're on is a journey training to build you up to be better when you reach that shore to be better when you land and you're planted on the other side don't ever get discouraged stay in this word stay praising him in the valley and let your praises echo around you God didn't call you to keep you in the Boat. He called you to take you someplace else. He called you to move forward. Maybe you just need some encouragement. And that's why we're here today. As we just pray that God will overwhelm your soul. He will never fail you. He always is there for you. That He always is building you up, that He always is redeeming you, that He is always coming back for you, that He is always rescuing you in the waters of the storms of this world, this life that you live. May you praise Him in that. May you pray for that today. May you be encouraged by that. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.